This episode of Literary Treks is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for creating a blog, website, portfolio, or an online store. To create your own space, visit squarespace.com and save 10% by using offer code TREK7. And by TrekFan. It's not just a fan club, it's an adventure. You'll explore new places, learn new things, and collaborate with other fans to solve puzzles, complete real-life mission objectives, and win great prizes. Don't miss out. Help us move toward that Star Trek future by visiting trekfan.org. Plus, if you'd like to support our programming personally, visit trek.fm slash donate to get our new alien badges featuring original illustration by Tobu Ushi. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry and you're listening to Trek FM. taking all these books? I thought I'd take some light reading, in case I got bored. Welcome everyone to another episode of Literary Treks, our dedicated Star Trek books and comics podcast. I'm Christopher Jones, and with me once again, finally, at last, is my co-host, Matthew Rushing. Matthew, since the last time you were on the show with me, you've had a birthday, You've been camping, you've sat around, you've roasted marshmallows, you've sung Row, Row, Row Your Boat with Spock, McCoy, and Kirk, and how did all that turn out for you? Well, it was great, Chris, although we didn't have marshmallows. We had marshmallows, and they were fantastic. Uh, You know, marshmallows are a little bit bigger. Um, They're a part of the melon family, uh, a little squishy inside. Taste really good, though, between some graham crackers and with some nice chocolate, excellent stuff. So, um, yeah, and luckily, Spock didn't chimp on the, the chocolate this time. He brought the good stuff from, you know, Belgium. Very, very good. So, I suppose in Texas, when you go camping, you have the campfire, but you also have the, the big pot of oil so you can deep fry the stuff before you roast it over the open fire, right? It's it's very true. Usually we do that in Texas. We were in New Mexico, though, uh, in the mountains. And so it's kind of hard to lug the big deep fryer with you. And so unfortunately, that didn't make it with us. But uh, we luckily did catch some fish out there. Uh, we did fry those up in a pan. It was delicious. And so, uh, yeah, the deep fryer, though, had to stay back home in Texas. Ah, that's too bad. That's too bad. Well, it sounds like you had a great time anyway, and I'm glad that you're back with me now so that we can talk about some Star Trek book news. And I think we we both like Riker, right? He's the man. You know, Chris, I really do like Riker. In fact, I mean, I learned all of my moves from Riker. Um, I'm a lot like um, Michael Fisher. And uh, <laughs> I I paid attention to the Riker on how to pick up women. And so, uh, you know, I would just go up to a girl and uh, put my leg up on the table she was sitting on, <laughs> something like that, and say something saucy uh, like he would. So, yeah, Riker is my hero. And as you'll see in our first story here, when you look at the enhanced art, you'll use a line like, you know, I'm the captain of my own ship, 
and it has huge nacelles. That's right. Or I might say something like, I'm the most interesting man in the world. (laughs) Excuse me. Did I say world? I meant universe. Perfect. I I bet that works every time. Um, It works 98% of the time, every time. And so, yeah, I'll let you figure that one out. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do that after the show. Well, we're talking about Riker because our first story is about John Jackson Miller tackling Riker and and picking up with the Star Trek Titan series. And he's going to have a new book featuring Riker. Well, and this is really exciting. Uh, you know, I, I, I peruse a lot of other sites other than just Star Trek. I know everyone gasping right now. Um, but uh, You read <gasps> other franchises, Matthew? Oh my goodness. I know. It is um it is almost heresy, but I do like the wars. And so uh I tend to 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 read some of those sites as well. And uh I was perusing one of my favorites. Um they're friends of mine and over at Roco Depot and I saw this great story that they had that John Jackson Miller, uh one of the uh, Star Wars uh authors is going to be tackling a new Star Trek book and as we were talking about it's going to be following Star Trek Titan series with Captain Riker. What's really cool, too, is this is going to be one of those smaller digital releases. And so to me, that's exciting because I really enjoy the smaller digital books. Uh, usually they tell a really com- compact story and, uh, you know, really do, I think, a great job of, of giving you some character work. So this is exciting to me. It's nice when you don't have... Like with print, you feel like you have to write to a word count, like you need a certain volume in that book. Right. And it's nice with ebooks that if the author has a story to tell that's only going to fill 120 pages or 150 pages, you have more freedom to do that with the ebook because you don't, you're not, you know, working within the restraints of tr- the traditional printing and distribution process. So, so that is nice. Yeah. Like you say, you, you can get sometimes a more focused, more compact story that you leave after reading it as the reader, you leave feeling more fulfilled than maybe you would have with the book that was 300 pages, but had a lot of padding in it. Exactly. And, you know, I think it's exciting to, you know, uh, John Jackson Miller talks about the fact that he is actually a Riker fan and uh, he doesn't find it too strange for himself to, you know, kind of be mixing the the different universes because he's been a big fan of, of Star Trek for a long time. He said, and, he even mentioned, hey, he's not the first guy named JJ to do so. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> so um, apparently a lot of JJs, you know, they can do Star Trek and Star Wars. So apparently it just has something to do with being a JJ. And uh, so that's really cool. And I'm th- I'm hoping, you know, Chris, um, I had come across um, some some great Riker quotes about him being the most interesting man in the galaxy. I'm hoping that the story is going to be about this one. He has inside jokes with first contact aliens. So I'm I'm looking to see this happen because that's just how awesome Riker is. Is, you know, he he has inside jokes with uh first contact aliens. So actually though, Chris, he says <laughs> the story is going to be about one of his favorite uh follow-ups to a to a great TNG episode which he hasn't named yet. So to me, that's exciting because um, the last novella that we got was by 
James Swallow, and that was about Picard and a follow-up to Generations. And that was really fantastic. One of my hands-down favorite books that I've read this year, Star Trek-wise. So I'm excited to see this one come out. The title of this book is Absent Enemies. Does that give you any clue as to what episode he might be following up on? I'm trying to think. Riker, enemies, absent enemies. You know, nothing is jumping out to me. Nothing, nothing for me either. Um, Maybe we'll sit on that one and and next week we'll have a better idea. Yeah, I'm going to put that one in the percolator and let it go. (laughs) Very good. So we'll put a link in the show notes if you want to find out a little bit more about this. And if you want to see, there's a great image of the Titan here, Matthew, that you found that was done by Tobias Richter over at the Lightworks, of course, of Sean Taranjo's ship design. And we're going to stick that in here as the enhanced art, but you can click through and, and see a larger image of that great artwork as well, if you'd like to see that. So Matthew, we're getting very close to the fall. Now, I'm excited about the fall for the same reason you're excited about the fall, I'm pretty sure. Alabama, Texas A&M, we're coming down there to take on you Aggies and your home field in September. Wait, we, wait, that's not what we're talking about here, though, is it? Wait, we're not? Because, I mean, we're having a beat the hell out of Alabama party at my house, actually. So I thought that, that's what really? we were talking about. Oh, yeah. Well, we're playing a game to figure out kind of like what crazy thing Johnny Manziel is going to do next and whether he's oh, going to actually be on the field when we come down there. <sighs> you know, I have to say, Chris, that's <laughs> been so blown out of proportion. But people are not here to hear us talk about um, college football, which we totally no, could. <laughs> but no, you're right. The fall, the book series is coming really soon. Um, very excited. You know, David uh, R. George III's book is first with Revelations and Dust. And the second book, The Crimson Shadow by Una McCormick, great friend of the show. I love her and I love her books. And Chris, who's she going to be focusing on in this one? Well, of course, we all know that Una loves the Cardassians. She loves Garrick. And I I like the description that starts out, Cardassia Prime is home to a prideful people. For centuries, forged alliances with those they believed would strengthen them and their place in the Alpha Quadrant and expanded their empire at great cost to other worlds. That just gets me excited about this book because as we know Una and we know how she likes to dig into that Cardassian psyche, I can just imagine that this story, which involves Ambassador Garrick working together with Captain Picard, is really going to be very, very fascinating. And I'm really excited to see these two go head to head. You know, um, we, we've seen the way, you know, Cisco handles Garrick. He just punches him. And, uh, when he gets mad. And, and so I'm very interested to see the way that uh, Picard deals with Garrick. And, and Garrick's grown a lot since, you know, Deep Space Nine has ended and, and the book series has progressed. But he's definitely somebody uh, I think Uno's right. He's always been and always will be a patriot when it comes to his home world, right. Cardassia. And so I'm really interested just to see um, how this will work out, especially with these, they talk about these malevolent forces who are at work who are now really striving to restore Cardassia to its proper glory. 
um, which is quite scary when we think of what happened the last time and uh, Ducat allied with the Dominion. Right. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, I agree with you. It's going to be very interesting to see Garrick and Picard together because we sometimes talk, I think we've talked about it on the ore before, would Picard have been able to run that space station the way that Cisco ran that space station? And, you know, Garrick is the most scheming character on the station and the character who you really can't predict and you can't read. And we know how Picard likes things to be very orderly. He's very diplomatic. It's very much command from the top. And it's going to be fascinating to see how he deals with Garrick. I think it will be. Um, I, I also think that uh, Picard himself is a, is a much different captain than he was on the you know the next generation. That's series. true. He's changed a lot through. The he knowledge. has. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think that he has become a, a little bit more rounded in his in his you know style as a captain. I think he's can be a little bit gruffer if he needs to be. I mean, he always is going to be the diplomat first. But uh, with all of his experience with the Borg, having a family now, all of those kind of things, I think they've created a lot of nuance in him. So uh, this is going to be a fantastic book. Really is. The one thing that I do see here is I'm hoping, tell me what you think about this. I am hoping that this cover that is being distributed is not the final cover because it looks like something that the designers just quickly mocked up so that they could send it out with a press release. It's just, it's like a, a red nebula with the Enterprise E placed over the top of it. I agree with you, Chris. And, and, and as well, it's it's not even a very well-rendered Enterprise E. It's not. Right. And so um, I, I do think that you're right. It feels like that this is not the correct cover. But, you know, We'll see. Uh, you do have the first book in the series just having ships on it in the new Deep Space Nine. So there's a good chance that this um, series will, will you know, have these great representations of these ships. So um, you, we may get the Aventine as well as, you know, Tobias's new work on the Titan, which would be fantastic. So that might be something we see. Hopefully, this is just a rough draft, and they will. Yeah, it feels like a rough draft. A so, bit. I hope so. Yeah, the first one, I mean, is quite nice because it's the first time we get to see the new Deep Space Nine. But, uh, but this one, with just the Enterprise E slapped on the cover, hopefully, we're going to have something a little right. bit more striking. When the when well, the final and just the the care that they took with the new Deep Space Nine and that cover lets me know I think that this is not the final cover. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Well, let's jump into comic news. And yeah, now this is an item that I saw last week. IDW sent us a press release about this. Very interesting. They're going to be exploring the character of Khan. And I believe it's going to be a four-part series. But of course, it's Khan as in the J.J. Abrams Benedict Cumberbatch Khan. Yes, this is going to be exciting. I, I think that we we have all been waiting for this. You know, they did this with Nero, which was fantastic, um, and I thought was really smart of them to do to kind of flesh out the the character uh, of Nero. And it, I think Chris, we can both agree that both of the Star Trek films, um, and and I I think they did a much better job with 
Khan uh, than they did with Nero and giving us a, a more rounded villain. And yet, yeah, I would agree. At the, at the same time, I, I I think we'd both agree that we could have still used a little bit more of the villain and his motivation and everything like that. And so, right. um, it is going to be a five issue miniseries. I'm just looking the right now issues, at, okay. on Star Trek dot com. So that's exciting, uh, and I'm really glad to see that. Yeah, I agree. One of my complaints about Star Trek Into Darkness is that as we get towards the end of the movie. I feel like Khan just kind of gets lost. Uh, after he takes control of the vengeance, after he believes that all of his crew have been destroyed on the torpedoes, from that point on, I feel like we lose the character. And basically, we just have the fight scene with Spock. But I felt like we're building up to something, and then Khan kind of disappears from the movie for me, as far as the character really goes. And therefore, I'm looking forward to something like this where I can find out a little bit more about Khan and Khan in this alternate timeline. Because I, I was just missing that a bit. Well, and I think one of the things, too, that, you know, there's just a lot of great questions that this comic can answer about exactly what his involvement with Marcus is, exactly how that all works, especially even inside the film, because there's plenty of times inside the movie where I really think that him and Marcus are actually working together. It, it's mu- it makes much more sense for that to be the, the case than, than right. him just working alone. And so, uh, yeah, I'm really, uh, I'm really glad that they're doing this. I, I think it's going to be good. And what I was really excited about is, is, um, Artist Paul Shipper is doing the cover for the first issue. He did my favorite version of the uh, Into Darkness poster. He made a great uh, Into Darkness poster. And they have hired him to do this cover art, which I just think is brilliant. Really like it. So, Very good. And I'm interested in just finding out more about the whole Section 31 angle, because that's what intrigued me most about the movie and most about Khan in the alternate timeline, and yet it wasn't really developed through the film. You, you, there's so many scenes where there's an interaction with Khan, and you think, well, that's kind of interesting, I want to know more, but then they just go on to the next thing, because it's a movie and you've only got mm-hmm. two hours. Well, so. You know. And one of the things, you, you listened to the, the audiobook with the lovely Alice Eve, um, and yeah. you, were, you were able to, to hear the way that Alan Dean Foster took every one of those conversations and expanded them and really right. added, I think, some depth to a lot of those scenes that they just kind of cut out of the movie, which was really disappointed because those conversations, I felt like, made everything uh, just a little bit better in the movie and really explained some of those motivations. Yeah, it might have made the movie more acceptable to the average Star Trek fan. You know, the long-time Trekkie. Exactly. Yeah. So looking forward to this anyway, when it comes out, and uh, we'll keep you updated on that one. Star Trek Ongoing, number 26, is also coming up, and we're, we're still following through. We actually, you know, did a show where we talked about the first two of these. Matthew, what what's going to be happening in 26? Well, this one's going to go crazy. Um, the conflict between the Klingons and the Romulan Empire is just going to go 
insane. And uh, Kirk and the crew of the Enterprise apparently are going to be trapped in the middle, as they always are, because they're probably the only ship in the quadrant. <laughs> they're always there. Um, exactly. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, this this just looks like, and I think this is so interesting, Chris, that they are just kind of ramping up this storyline of the Klingons and the Romulans, and they're going to play this out in the comics. And, and it doesn't look like this would be something that we would see in the film, the next film. Yeah, it, that's very interesting to me. I'm sure you heard the news where Quinto said that the studio has told all the actors that they're going to be shooting the next movie in 2014, right? I don't know if this is absolutely true or not, but that's what he says. That's really quick. It would mean they would have to really be writing a story right now. Do you think that has any impact on... What, what I'm seeing is they're going to play this out in the comics right now. They could already be in the early stages of developing the story for the next movie. How do you think those might play together? You know, it's such if, a compressed if, timeline. Yeah. Um, if they're doing the movie right now, really working on that diligently um, to get that out so quickly, I mean, to be ready to shoot by next year is crazy. Yeah. Talk about the pre-production that would have to be happening right now as well, which I don't see this happening. You know, there's, it doesn't seem likely to me either, but that's, right. that's what he's saying. And so, but if if they're doing that, it also means, I mean, you know, with um, with Mike Johnson and, and, and these guys doing the comic, they obviously have the ear of what's going on with the next film and have some idea, I guess, where the where the guys would like to take it. So that's the other thing. You know, we haven't heard anything from Kurtz and Ortsman uh, about um, them being hired to write because the last we heard on Star StarTrek.com. They were waiting for confirmation whether they would be asked to write the next film. So, you know, I would think we would know who's writing the film by now and all that kind of jazz. So I, I got a feeling this is not going to be till 2015. But hey, so, yeah. crazier things have happened in Hollywood. Uh, I find it, considering how involved Bad Robot is in this whole J.J. Universe production of Star Trek, I find it unlikely that they would hire someone other than them to write the film. But you never know. Yeah, and I agree with you. I, I can't, I, I feel like, I feel like they've really earned the right in some ways to do a movie that it sounded like they wanted to do. They, it sounded like they wanted it to be a little more sci-fi next time. They wanted it to be a little bit more character driven, even more so than, you know, uh, Into Darkness, which I think we can definitely agree. A lot more character work in this film than there was in the first one. And so that's great. Yeah. So I would like to see where they take these characters and, and kind of round them out into a good trilogy. Um, I, I think that would be smart, especially if the studio wants to put this film out so soon. They need to get those writers. Yeah. Well, maybe they'll get the chance to do that and we'll get that film, which I think everyone wants to see, that more more Star Trek-ish, more character-driven film. So until then, we have another collection coming out, the Stardate Collection, Volume 1, The Early Voyages. Now, this has got, um, it's got John Byrne stuff in there, as well as other stuff like Ian Edgington, Dan Abnett, James Patrick, and of course, Scott and David Tipton, who we're going to talk about in our feature today as we talk about some of their DS9 comic work. And this is going to be coming out in October, and it'll be a great chance for you to possibly catch up on some past comics that you might not have seen and be able to get them all together in one collection. Well, and the other great thing about this, too, is just the fact that you're going to get some great special commentary and creator interviews 
with with each one of these uh, and so really kind of get into their mindset of what they were trying to do with these comics and so I think that is really cool there to going to this length and it just shows me I think the resurgence in Star Trek comics um, and, and it makes me hope that uh, maybe we might get some comics like uh, you know a Titan series or, or something like that I just think would be fantastic in comic book form yeah, I mean, I guess they've done some standalone, like a miniseries Titan in the past, but you're talking about something more like an ongoing type series, but featuring the Titan, right? Yeah, I, I think that that would be, uh, you know, a, a fantastic idea. But of course, at this point, it's difficult because Pocket has that license and they're the ones with the Prime Universe, really. And right. So uh, yeah. that that's probably a mess to try and figure out right now. But I, I just think it would be great to see something like that. Um, or, you know, uh, it's going to be interesting because if that new movie comes out sooner, you know, uh, that'll be the only place really uh, to find the JJ verse because he'll be done. And uh, maybe Pocket will probably end up picking up that universe as well because they had a lot of plans and then they all got dashed. They probably will, like something beyond the Starfleet Academy books right. featuring the JJ characters when they're when they're younger and at the Academy, but something moving forward. Uh, I, I expect that that will most likely happen. Yeah, that sounds like, like a likely thing. So anyway, watch for the Stardate collection when it comes out, if you want to pick up these. And and Matthew, I agree with you. There, there is a real resurgence of Star Trek comics these days. And I have to say, whether you like the JJ Abrams first Star Trek or not, the ongoing comic series has been a huge catalyst in the resurgence of Star Trek comics. So so that's been a really wonderful thing to see. Now, Matthew, that's all we have in news this week. But before we move into the feature, let's tell everyone about our sponsor for this week's show, Squarespace. Now, if, if you want to share your love of Star Trek books and comics, maybe you want to write articles, you want to you know share your insights, you want to set up a small website for yourself to do that, there's no better way to do it than with Squarespace because Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that includes both hosting and CMS, and it makes it fast and easy for you to set up a personal blog, a website, even a large business website, an online store, you know, a portfolio if you're a designer. You can do anything with Squarespace, and they're constantly improving the platform with new features and new designs and even better support, which is amazing to me because they already have such fantastic support. I'm not sure how you make it better, but that is something that they're working on all the time. It's just incredibly easy to use. And it's very inexpensive, starting at just $8 per month. And the way you build sites with Squarespace is very simple using Layout Engine. You drag content blocks onto the page. You can arrange them. The system writes all the code behind the scenes for you, so you don't have to do anything. And the responsive design makes sure that your site looks beautiful on any desktop screen on any mobile device. It doesn't matter the size or the orientation. It all flows into a beautiful package. Now, Matthew, today, why don't we tell everyone about three points of Squarespace that really set it apart from the other options out there? Well, Chris, one of the favorites that uh, I see with Squarespace and just one of the things they really excel at is being design focused. And Chris, I know you as a designer and and I, I'm, a, I'm a lay designer. I, I just like good design, but I don't know how to do it. Is that on your card, Matthew Rushing, lay designer? 
Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> one of the things that I just really like about Squarespace is the fact that it makes it easy. You know, if you like design, if you want your site to look good, but you don't know how to do it, they have amazing templates that are clean and easy and really allow your content to be the focus of your website. So maybe you want to celebrate Star Trek comics or you want to celebrate Star Trek novels. What a great way to do that in a clean and easy way. You want to start reviewing them or something like that. This is the perfect place to be able to do that. And then the best part about this is, Chris, is you get connecting accounts. You can connect your Twitter, your Facebook, your LinkedIn, Pinterest, Google, Instagram, I mean, any web service pretty much that you want and be able to share what you're publishing on your Squarespace site all over the place and so that people will come to your site and and it's easy and simple to do. And then like you were saying, Chris, it's a responsive design. So I don't know about you, but I tend to use my iPad a lot or my iPhone and I really dislike websites that are very clunky and, and hard to use when I'm on my phone especially. And Squarespace does a great job of creating a site that works on all platforms. So whether you're on a 27-inch iMac or you're on your iPhone 5, this is going to be the spot for you. It's going to look fantastic. Absolutely. The connected accounts are really nice because, you know, I spend a lot of time promoting things in social media for Trek FM. And I, you know, have to go to this place or that place to share the information, you know, about new episodes and what you have on there. And what's great about Squarespace is that because of the connected accounts, you can easily just push that out. You can even automate and have it automatically tweet your new post. When you put it on the site, if you want to, you can share a page from your site on Facebook to your Facebook page automatically. You can do that from the Facebook interface, in fact, which is really, really fantastic. So really, Squarespace, not only does it make it easy for you to focus on your content and quickly put together a beautiful site, it also makes it very easy for you to get that information out to the world. And that's another of the wonderful things about Squarespace. So try it out for yourself. We'd love for you to go and try it free for 14 days. There's no credit card required. You just put in your name and your email address. Squarespace will set up a trial site for you right on the spot. You have access to all the features of Squarespace for 14 days. You can import your existing site from platforms like WordPress if you'd like. You can see how it's going to look. You can play around with the tools. You can see how Squarespace makes it really fast and easy for you to do amazing things with your content. And then after 14 days, when you sign up, and I know you're going to want to, you can save 10% using our offer code TREK7. That's a special offer from Squarespace for Trek FM listeners. And if you choose the annual package, you'll actually get a free domain registration as well. So, you know, you can register elmrushing02laydesigner.com, whatever <laughs> you want to have like that. You can get that custom domain. You can tie it in. And in just a matter of minutes, you can have a beautiful site up and running with Squarespace. So please go and try them out. The best hosting, the best CMS, the best support you'll find anywhere in the industry. Go to squarespace.com, use offer code TREK7 to save 10%. And we thank Squarespace for their support. And we thank you, our listeners, for supporting Squarespace. And that makes it possible for us to bring literary tricks to you every week. Well, Chris, tonight we are going to be talking about Deep Space Nine's first comic book miniseries by IDW. It started publishing in December of 2009. It's a four-part series written by Scott and Dave Tipton um, with art by Fabio Mantovani. 
an omnibus of the series, was released in July of, of 2010. And so we wanted to look at this comic series. Um, I, I had seen it on Comixology, and I thought, well, this looks like a, a fun series to do. And, and it's the only uh, Deep Space uh, Nine comics that you can find on Comixology. So I thought this would be fun to, to go through. Definitely so. Yeah, yeah. This was, I enjoyed them myself. What did you think about them? You know, I, I, I liked it. You know, it, it was funny because as I was reading through, I could actually hear um, Cisco's voice. I could hear yeah. everybody's voice. And so the when voices Cisco were good. Was, yeah. When, when, when Cisco's really getting mad, I could just be, hear him getting just really into it. You know, what are you doing? You know, just like <laughs> really, really disappointed. So I, I, it was, I really enjoyed that part. Now, kind of off the bat, though, I will say that the artwork in here, it throws yeah. me off a little bit. Um, it does. I agree. But I think overall, just my overall impression, the writing is really what makes this comic. And so um, as we go through it, I, th- I think it'll be something that we, we can talk about a little bit more. But um, one, what is this first page, Chris, this ship design, what did it make you think of? A game of horseshoes. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I, I horseshoe was like, crowd. Oh my, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, not just that, but this is a very Star Warsy type ship too. It, it kind just of reminded is, me, it? and it, and if, in fact, you know, just the way that Boba Fett's ship. Yes, well, not, and, not and the, the shape, but the way that the the way that the the uh, engine rotates. Yeah, exactly. And so I really like that. Um, I, I thought that that was a really cool. Um, thing to see in star trek because you know the the ship designs you know except for voyager you know nacelles moving up and down like what a quarter of degree or whatever you know they are (laughs) right this was just kind of a neat idea that your engine would kind of rotate to kind of so you could land and it would it i don't know it just made a lot of sense to me and i thought it was a lot of fun yeah, especially on the second page where you actually do get to see that rotating as they're coming into dock Right, right. It made a lot of sense to to just kind of see this kind of design. And so it was a lot of fun. Um, And it immediately starts you off to this comic that there's just some kind of mystery. There's something strange going on. And I really liked that as well. Uh, It it kind of pulled me in right away, which is, I think, you know, for a miniseries with a comic, that's really important. This whole series for me, it is an episode. This would have made a fantastic episode of Deep Space Nine on television, would it have not? No, I completely agree with you. I I was reading this today, and I was thinking my highest praise, and, and obviously just giving it away here, Chris, just giving it away for free. We I've been away too long. <laughs> I don't remember how to do this anymore. Um, but yeah, that was my highest praise for this. I thought that this would have been a great episode of Deep Space Nine because it felt just like that kind of fourth season. Um, it, it, it fit perfectly with the tone of all the characters. And, uh, you know, that's, again, just fantastic writing. And and um, I would have loved to have seen this episode. It would have been fantastic. Uh, I think the only thing we might have had a problem with was too many extras. And there you go. Those are our final thoughts. Thanks for listening today, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, everybody read the comics. We were here for four minutes. Thank you. <laughs> no, I agree with you. The, the voices are fantastic. The The story 
is great. And it, it pulls you along like this really is an episode through the four issues of the comic. And I do agree with what you said at the beginning, though, that the artwork pulls me out of it a bit. The The covers are quite nice, but as you get into the actual story, mm-hmm. sometimes the characters, they just don't look like the characters. And especially Quark, for example. You're like, is that Quark or is that some other Ferengi? And you don't, I don't know. It, it does pull you out quite a lot. And I don't even know who this guy, who's, I guess, mm-hmm. is supposed to be Rom, right yeah, here, uh, who's yelling, yeah. Nah, come back, it, get back it, here. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, I do have to say that the exteriors, the station, the ships all look fantastic. Yeah, all of that artwork I think is amazing. This the the backgrounds, the station itself, I think really well done most of the time. It it has that feel and vibe of Deep Space Nine. It's really just the character work that that you know sometimes uh, I it, he really captured like a Kira face or uh, an, an yeah. Odo face, but almost everybody else I feel like is really off. Yeah, especially like Cisco. O'Brien never looks right. Um, Dax, it, it just Quirk looks more like some sort of like dinosaur form of of a Ferengi than he actually does a Ferengi. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, that that part I didn't like. But uh, but yeah, I, I felt immediately when you get on this story, these these two gentlemen arrive. Uh, they're obviously some sort of traders, and I mean traders as in goods and services. Um, and uh, not traitors, not to, like, yeah, traitors. <laughs> um, and so th- they get onto the station, and Odo is confiscating their weapons. And it, you notice that there's a lot more people on the station than normal. Yeah, the station is getting very, very crowded, and all these people are showing up, and they're all here for sightseeing. <laughs> That's like Odo says, uh, yeah, it's a very popular pastime these days, apparently. Come to Deep Space Nine for sightseeing. And and, and all these guys look like... Uh, they look like thieves, or they look like scoundrels, or they just look like shady people. And they all have... They're all armed to the bearer when they walk onto the station, and Odo yeah. has to confiscate all their weapons. And oh, we're just here for sightseeing. Don't mind the, the six guns that we have hidden all over our body. We always take those with us. Yeah, and, and uh, I thought what was really interesting, too, is is that... In the background here, I really liked the you see the the chief and he he's you know trying to get something fixed and Kira's complaining and it just all feels very Deep Space Nine. It um, does. And then my favorite part is this guy's checking out Kira's butt, which <laughs> who wasn't checking out Kira's butt in the fourth season? Well, I have to tell you, I, I think Montavani may have a little thing for for Kira's butt because. We could piece together all the frames which prominently feature it from the rear view. And I think we could probably just put together one twenty-four page issue just from that. Kira is is <laughs> is actually prominently featured in this comic. Not just she her really butt, is. but just about every other part of Kira. Um and so she uh she reminded me in this comic of of the more of the superhero look, you know. Right, the yeah. females where it's just yes. the it's literally just color over a naked body, which was a exactly. little disturbing sometimes. Honestly, the artwork wise, but otherwise it doesn't really distract necessarily from the from the rest of the story. So she's been working out. She's got those thighs. They're they're really 
They really built up there. Knocking them out when those Bajoran thighs. Uh, <laughs> ACDC. It's <laughs> a big hit for them, right? It was huge in the Alpha Quadrant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. So these gentlemen, they arrive at Quark's, and, and Quark tells them that he can help them. And uh, I also really liked that they pick up on this idea that the station itself is is getting ready for uh, the Dominion. You know, they, they've met the Dominion in the end of the third season and into this fourth season that the station is really preparing for that. Uh, you know, Gen Zia walks into to Cisco's office and they, they're talking about the technical, uh, the tactical readiness of the station. And uh, just the fact that for Ben, it, it's, it's feeling quiet, too quiet from the, the Gamma Quadrant. He's, he's worried. Yeah, that, that was a nice, it, it helped place this story where it falls within the series. Well, and the next thing that I really like too is just the fact that you you kind of see uh, this comic doing well that Benjamin and Kira haven't quite formalized that relationship. They're, they're not as close yet. You know, she comes into the office. She tells him that she's kind of worried that there's so many people visiting the station. It's up. She says that in the last 72 hours, they've had a 35% increase in visitors to the station, which is highly irregular. And so I, I think that this is just something that's really interesting to watch their interplay that, you know, he's got other things on his mind now, right now, Benjamin does, and he, he's, he's missing something that Kira is seeing. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Well, she also points out not only do they have that increase in traffic to the station, but these people aren't leaving. So the actual population of the station is is expanding rapidly, and the station's getting more and more crowded. And of course, as we find out as we go along through the story, these people are actually tearing the station apart. You know, they're 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 starting fights. They're they're causing the brig to fill up. They're causing the infirmary to fill up. It's it's a really serious problem going on, and I found it interesting that Cisco was unwilling to step in as the captain and make a command decision for the station and to close the station to visitors. He he fell back on this whole thing that well, you know, the Bajoran Commerce Commission, you know, they're excited about all the visitors and they won't approve a shutdown of the station without solid evidence that something's going on and. You know, it seemed like, well, the fact that we're having fights all over the place and Odo can't fit any more people into the brig and Julian's having to turn people away from the infirmary, that seems like a good indication that something's going on to me. But but Cisco's just kind of blasé to the whole thing initially. I found that kind of odd. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because it, it gives you the picture of what it must be like to be Ben and the fact that you are having to worry about what the Bajorans think. You're here to try and get the Bajorans into the Federation. And so you can't just immediately override what they think in these things. Um, and uh, that's really important to not have that happen. And he's having to walk that line. And that's not really something we saw a lot of in the series. But I thought that that was an interesting thing to kind of pull out when I'm thinking through, okay, why might he be thinking this? Well, I mean, he's he's here to facilitate Bajor hopefully becoming part of the Federation. And, you know, he can't just step on their official, you know, government activities when he feels like it. 
Because ultimately, Deep Space Nine is a Bajoran station that is administered by Starfleet, but it's actually the property of the Bajoran government. Right, exactly. Which I think we always, well, I think we just tend to forget (laughs) because we think of it as a Starfleet station, but it's not. But it's not, yeah. So we just talked about a lot of the fights that are going on. And one thing that happens in one of the fights, which is what finally gets Cisco's attention, is that Jake gets shot and ends up in the infirmary. Which, uh, you know, <laughs> poor Jake uh, in this comic. He doesn't really get anything to do but uh, to get shot. And uh, But I thought that that was really interesting because it immediately, you know, gets Cisco involved. And... Uh, you know, two, um, right before that, O'Brien comes into the security office and shows Odo something that's happened, that, that parts of the station are actually being ripped away, then it'd be eaten away by some sort of acid or something. I mean, people are just tearing this station apart. And so, and then of course, this huge fight breaks out in the promenade. Uh, O'Brien gets decked. Kira is in some sort of weird bondage position in one page. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, it gets out of hand and Jake gets shot. And I just thought, um, wow, what a what a great way to get Cisco involved. In fact, you get him at the very end and he's got his super mad face. He looks like Samuel L. Jackson almost with um, and he says, now we find just what the hell is going on. You know, I mean, just really gets into it. So uh, you knew you were in trouble when you really piss off Cisco like that. <laughs> what did you think about those faces? I felt that, like, in that situation, I think the angry face, maybe it works okay. But again, as we talk about the artwork, not quite connecting with the story here and not quite connecting with us as the reader, there are a lot of times in this comic where... Cisco and Kira especially are making very angry faces that don't match the dialogue. It's like th- there's one point where Cisco's talking to Ducat and I'm sure Cisco's upset, but every time you see Cisco it looks like he's screaming angry at Ducat, but he's actually never talking. It's always Ducat who's the one talking. I it it felt very odd to me. It really, it really doesn't fit. You're, you're exactly right, and 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 it's it's one of the things uh, that I had to just let go, and um, yeah. So it, it's one but of you the wish frustrations. That it fit better, exactly. Yeah. It, I really did, uh, especially I, I like that you mentioned that scene with Ducat because that's the one that really stood out to me. Is is just being so over the top and so overblown. And I was just really disappointed to see that because. That was a great scene where I felt like Cisco would be more reserved and he he wouldn't be so angry. You know, he would be that Cisco who's really trying to drag the information out by being kind. Uh, and so it just didn't work for the scene. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, as we move into the second issue, we end the first one with Jake having been shot. Cisco's in the infirmary. We get into the second issue when we're talking about the standalone comics. And this is where we really start feeling for the first time that Quark might be at the center of what's going on. And he and, and Rom are watching, you know, ships arrive. Quark says, it's like latinum is falling from the skies. And then 
One thing that I did like here that they brought in is that they bring in a Tellarite vessel. And, you know, we often talk yeah. about how the Tellarites are a race that, although they're one of the founding members of the Federation, we we rarely see them in modern Star Trek. And I can't remember seeing them on DS9. Certainly not not in any kind of prominent situation. Definitely not. Which it's funny because, you know, Quark says it's raining Latinum, but it really is just raining Tellarites, which was another <laughs> classic song in the Alpha Quadrant. It's raining Tellarites. Hall- I mean, who would sing hallelujah for that? Uh, anyway, so <laughs> People who classic love bacon. song. You know, bacon is huge these days. That's it's true. Raining bacon. Uh, yeah, everything <laughs> just tastes better with bacon, a.k.a. Tellarite. The other other white meat. <laughs> Larry is going to kill us if he listens to this. Is that his favorite? Is that his favorite alien? Well, he he played a Tellarite. Oh, oh, I'm really sorry, Larry. I apologize. Um, yes, I, this is this was really cool. In fact, you get to the scene too, where Odo and Kira are standing at the airlock, and they've got everybody kind of shuffling through one area. And they're just taking away all of these weapons from all these people. These are not people you just want on the station. And yet there's there's nothing they can do about it at the moment. Um, so I just thought that was really just a, a crazy thing. And then finally we get to the scene where O'Brien discovers exactly what's happening to the station because of these people. And it is getting ripped apart. And it looks bad. <laughs> It does look very bad, yeah. And and then he finds the panel with what looks like Sanskrit on it, which is um, some sort of writing. It's supposed to be an alien alphabet. It looks an awful lot like Sanskrit. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Maybe it was cureform, a very early form of that. Uh, So just uh, with the paint. Someone, they they brought in some cans of Krylon. Odo didn't take the Krylon away from everyone when they got, when they came through the airlock, did he? Oh man! <laughs> you gotta come in. O'Brien goes to to Cisco and says, "Looks like we got some taggers on the station." <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! Oh man! Anyway, it is it, what what what's really interesting is is that it just looks like this kind of very strange graffiti art. Um, right. And so we're not sure at this point, you know, is this something that these people are doing vandalizing the station? What the heck is going on here? And so it makes it really interesting to see. And and then I really like this scene in the infirmary with Bashir and he's just talking to the, to the captain. And he's just telling him, look, look around this, this infirmary. It's completely full. There's a something crazy going on here, and we need to figure it out because I don't have any space for anyone anymore. Exactly. Now, of course, if the infirmary were designed a bit more efficiently, maybe he'd have more space. I like how they have the table for Jake right in the center of the room while they have the other people around on the edges. Well, of course, <laughs> uh, Jake is, is a celebrity. Um, you know, he's the son of the emissary. He gets the best treatment. So, yeah. but but yeah so this is where it does start to get interesting and they they find out that the station is being ripped apart and you know cisco is determined to find out what's going on so something's something weird is going on on the station i'm gonna find out what the hell is going on i'm gonna call gold Dukat because even though he's not here surely he must know what's going on 
And, you know, that's always a good <laughs> idea. It, it reminded me of those uh, earlier seasons where, you know, anytime something's going wrong, Cisco immediately thinks, okay, I need to call Goldicott because he's probably right. behind this some way. So, and you he know, usually you're the old is. landlord. I mean, you know, exactly. Right? Mr. Furley always knows what's wrong with Jack and Janet and Chrissy's apartment. So, <laughs> exactly. why not? You know, it's called the old landlord. But so, so he has this conversation with Dukai, and this is what we were talking about, the, the very, very angry Cisco, which seemed a bit out of character to me. And, and you know, Dukai's kind of needling him a bit. Yeah, it just didn't seem to fit the tone of the conversation, which was, was very interesting. And so, yeah. um, but it also is... A one of those great scenes you get in Deep Space Nine between Ducat and Cisco, and they're just kind of battling back and forth with words and you know um, underhanded kindness. You know they're backslapping each other with you know compliments that don't really mean anything, and I think that that's always an interesting scene to watch. And this is where it really felt like you know he's the writers are getting this feel of Deep Space Nine and these characters. I think so. And then that moves us into what I thought was very Deep Space Nine, which is the scheme that Kira comes up with to play the two guys. There's Portafoy and Quinn. It's a Dr. Quinn medicine thief, I guess, who came to the station to, <laughs> to steal things. But Whew, man, these are the two guys who were involved in shooting Jake. Now, they didn't intentionally shoot Jake. He got caught in the crossfire. But these are the two guys who Odo has arrested, thrown in the brig. And Kira comes up with this plan to use some leverage because she tells Odo, you know, the problem is we don't have any leverage and we need to get information from some of these people. These guys shot Jake. He's the captain's son. Let's go play good cop, bad cop with them. Find out what's really going on. And... She goes to run it by the captain. And of course, Cisco is in on it as well. He's all for it, which reminded me of what we talked about on the orb last week when we talked about in the pale moonlight. This was very Deep Space Nine. This is something that Cisco, even though he's a Starfleet captain, he's willing to take these types of measures to resolve a problem and get information. Well, and it, uh, I liked the fact that this is a Kira idea. And it just seems like something that she would think up. Uh, but I, I did love that the uh, the fact that the captain is the one who walks in to inform her, you know, like right. the, the, the guy who's giving the message is actually the yeah. captain. Um, and so it, it just lends more weight to everything that's happening with these guys. And it's a great plan because, of course, they end up telling her what's going on is that the station apparently is a treasure map to an, a massive amount of treasure that is hidden on Bajor that the Cardassians didn't really know about because it was this one goal and it's this whole big deal. And so if you can find all the clues on the station, you will be able to find the treasure on Bajor. So it's where in the world is Carmen San Diego on Deep Space Nine, but for a treasure. Absolutely. And this was really fascinating. This is where I see this as an episode 
you get about 20 minutes into the episode and you find out that the station itself is a giant treasure map. Bum, bum, bum. I love this concept and that just kicks up the intrigue factor as we head into the third issue. Well, and this is really where the, the you know, the story just starts to hum. Um, you, you see uh, a flashback of, of two gentlemen who are getting this information about what's going on at the station. Um, and they're paying for this guide to Deep Space Nine and the fact that it is this treasure map. And I thought that was really nice just to kind of get a little bit of background of what's been happening and how this has been happening. You know, it's been happening in CD underground bars, you know, probably somewhere in Orion space. Um, you know, you're going to get that feeling. It reminds me of that place you see in Rigel 10 and Broken Bow where they go and there's the ladies dancing with the big long tongues and it just looks weird. Yeah. This is what yeah, that yeah. place reminds me of. And so um, I, I really liked this. And then, of course, they come back and Cisco goes, a treasure map? You know. <laughs> <laughs> X marks the spot? What? This is, <laughs> is this Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Well, I like back, back in the bar here. I, I like that they chose an Adosian to be the the guy who is distributing this rumor and these maps to the station. You know, they're picking up on A Rex from the animated series, and of course, it's not A Rex, but it's the same race as A Rex. And here's a case where I like the artwork because we see A Rex is this nice guy. You know, he's the Starfleet officer and he's the good guy. And then this guy really looks kind of like a gangster. It's like a gangster Adosian. Yeah, this is, uh, th that was pretty cool. And I thought it, it was funny because it was like, oh yeah, of course it's an Adosian because you can do it because it's in a comic. And so they always like to pull out the three-armed <laughs> guy because it's too hard to do on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I like those Star Trek themed greeting cards where you, 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 it has an arm on the front and back. And when you pop it open, the third arm pops out. It's like a three dimensional thing. And it <laughs> says, it says best it, wishes from Adosia. Yeah. Or, or it's like, you know, it reaches out and tickles you. <laughs> Cause you can't oh, do that on the, on the show either. So they always pull that. No, out, no, know, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, goodness. We're, man, we're making Hallmark some money right now. We really are. So, so they're back on the station, and yeah, and Cisco, he's reading the treasure map, and it's, uh, it's, it's got nine characters. It kind of reminded me of Star Trek Rivals. I thought maybe he's going to play a game of Star Trek Treasure Rivals. Yeah, um, it, it looked like fun to me. Um, I kind of wanted to play <laughs> this game, but I, I like here that. They realize, obviously, you know, who is the person who would benefit the most from this? It's It's got to be Quark. Um, he's got to be behind this somehow, or at least know exactly what's going on. And so... And what does Cisco say? Cisco says, you know, on old Earth, when detectives hit a dead end on an investigation, they relied on a simple maxim to help them to get back on track. Follow the money. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, goodness. So they go to Quark. 
Yeah, they go to Quark, and uh, there's a great shot again of Kira on page 11. <laughs> this one right uh, there classic. at the top of this page, that great shot. <laughs> yes, yes. It's, if, uh, if the only the reader, maybe, Chris, we can take a picture of that, and, and just the readers will get to see that. And they, Put it as the enhanced artwork for, for this part of this discussion, yeah. Yeah, we'll just, we'll maybe we'll do that. Um, but I really <laughs> like the, uh, the way Kira just comes in there, and she threatens Quark. And then Odo does my favorite thing because they're playing good cop, bad cop here. And Odo does that thing where he's like, hmm, it seems a little small in here. You know, and he's he's talking about You're how he's over gonna get capacity. The, yeah. How he's going to get the Bajoran, you know, yeah. um, liaison about how they need to make this place. You know, it looks like it's been zoned for too many people because it's too small. We we need to get this changed, and, and you'll probably be open in two three weeks. Um, so, <laughs> one oh. flaw in Kira's plan here, though, she comes in, she grabs Quart by the collar, and she yanks him, and she's screaming at him. We know from past history in DS Nine that when Kira does this, all it does is turn Quark on. That's true. Um, I just imagined that he would be having her, his hand on her thigh as he likes to do. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's I, what I thought was interesting is obviously it works. You know, they're, they're able to get the information from Quark. And the best part about this was is that Garrick and the doctor are having lunch. I love that this is in the comic. And Garrick is getting really upset with this fact that their lunch is being interrupted because too many people are around. And we know how Garrick is with claustrophobia later on in the series. And so it's kind of a nice callback to that. And you get this fact that the doctor, obviously they're having the conversation and he knows he's going to be outwitted at this point, but he starts telling Garrick what's actually going on. And Garrick's like, perhaps I can help. And so I, I think, um, it's interesting that Garrick's reason is because their lunches are becoming interrupted. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, Garrick loves the idea of a mystery to solve and the intrigue behind this. I'm sure he loves the fact that uh, it is a rumor about something that Cardassians had done, that this Cardassian goal had done. And so there's no doubt that this has him quite intrigued. Right. And I, I really like that. And I think it really works uh, well to to get Garrick involved here. It really kind of, I think, creates a, a much more sense of intrigue with the story. And I just always enjoy having Garrick around. And plus the fact that this is another case where Cisco realizes that he has to employ the help of Garrick to resolve something. And it's it's... It's a really interesting thing to to see that interplay of how the characters on the station slowly come to trust this character. You know, Garrick is is slowly working his way into their good graces, and uh, this is just kind of one more example of the way that he's doing that. And it 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 creates, a, I think, what we talked about earlier. There's a sense of continuity with these comics and the rest of the series that works so well. So they fit really seamlessly where they're supposed to be in that early season four. Definitely. So 
So Garrick walks in, he tells Cisco, you know, maybe I can help you. And then we move into the fourth part. And if you flip through and you get to the credits page there at the beginning, let me ask you a question, Matthew. Now, who's this character right here? <laughs> um, I think that that is Crack. That <laughs> maybe. works like crazy brother from an alternate universe. Is this... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is Quark. This is like the enemy within. Quark was split in a transporter accident. This is evil Quark. <laughs> Comes out here. I don't know. This is this is uh, another example of the artwork being a bit yeah, wide. It, I just had it's to really ask bad. Um, but uh, the fourth part is is really interesting, just because the, it wraps up really quickly. Um, they, you know, they talk to Garrick. They he has a fantastic idea of saying, look. Why don't we just say we found the treasure? Like, why don't we stage that we found the treasure so people will stop looking for it? You know, there there isn't a way for us to tell people it's not real. So we need to find a way to make people think it's been found. So right, we should. They find already it. tried telling people that it wasn't real. And exactly. That just resulted and it just created in another, another riot. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And uh, and so Quark actually helps them with. Uh, this by telling those two gentlemen that we talked about earlier that he knows where it is and if you go get it you know i'll take a commission and all this so he tells them where it is on bajor they go they get it they pick it up and then the bajoran authorities show up the moment they're there (laughs) and when they walk into that cave it's like they're on the pirates of the caribbean ride at Disneyland, right? Doesn't that look like part of the set of Pirates of the Caribbean with all the gold coins and then the treasure chest in the middle, necklaces, the vase, sideways? It's like, yeah, did I, these guys <laughs> think this was actually the treasure that they were looking for? Well, I just kind of thought Captain Jack Sparrow was going to jump exactly. out at any moment <laughs> or that stupid monkey, you know? Um, and so... What are then, you doing here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who who knows? But uh, so the, the the it's so funny too because you get the the Bajoran officials and they're like, oh, thank you so much for finding our treasure, and they they actually give these people medals. Then there's like a whole big like hoopla. It looks like Star Wars Episode was, One at the end. Exactly, that's <laughs> like, what I was thinking. <laughs> I'm I was, just expecting Jar Jar to show up. <laughs> I'm like, what is Chewbacca doing in the frame here? It's a Star Trek comic. <laughs> <laughs> They've got the guys playing the trumpets and they, oh, you know, they walk in. So it's totally funny. Star Wars at the end. Yeah. It is. Um, and, and then, of course, you know, that's, you think, okay, that's the end. But then Bashir goes to have lunch with Garrick and he's not there. And so he calls Garrick on his communicator and uh, Garrick says that he's sorry he had to miss, but he's actually found the treasure on Bajor, um, which I thought was really interesting that this treasure actually did exist. And um, I'd really like to see a follow-up to this to see what becomes of this treasure, because what does Garrick do with this? Yeah, it does just kind of end. Now, you said that it wraps up really quickly. Issue four is actually a 26-page comic, so it's it's not like they only had 12 pages of story left and they just threw it out there as a fourth comic. It is a full-length comic. But it does just kind of abruptly end, right? Where Garrett goes down, he finds this treasure, 
Uh, he picks up one of the gems and he says, Doctor, I really must be going, which sounds exactly like Garrick, right? And that's it. And then the comic ends with, with, a, with a frame of Garrick. And yeah, I would love to know a little bit more about the, the history of this treasure. Yeah. And what Garrick well, does next. I, it's, I, I think that, um, you know, all together, Chris, and we, we've talked about it already, um, but this is just a great, fun comic series. And, and it really fits in well with Deep Space Nine. So if you are a Deep Space Nine fan, uh, comic fan, this is fantastic. This is something you're going to enjoy, I think. Um, I think you will feel like you are watching an episode of the show, um, which is is great uh, for a writer to really be able to, to reach in and, and grab those voices of the characters so well. Um, if you like Kira, you're in for a treat because she is prominently displayed on many pages uh, in a way that will make you joyful. Um, and Very then, of course... Exactly. <laughs> the The last thing, though, is is the only detriment to this is the artwork. Um, it just does not hold up in in certain areas. It, it can be really distracting with the characters. I think Quirk is probably the worst drawn character, but uh, it can just it it can pull you out a little bit. So because of that, you know, if if we were to you know kind of a scale of ten, I would say that this is probably. A seven and a half out of ten lost treasures. Okay, yeah. I was going to say that even if you're not a comic fan, if you're a Deep Space Nine fan, I would suggest that you get these comics and read them because the story is so good. The story is so interesting and the voices are so spot on that, Matthew, as you said, you will feel like you're watching an episode of Deep Space Nine. So if you're you're wishing there were new Deep Space Nine on television for you to watch this will give you one of those stories i think you'll really really enjoy it and i agree that the the artwork doesn't really hold up it, the artwork is not on par with the writing scott and david tipton did a brilliant job with the writing fabio mantavani did a at moments he does good it depends on what he's drawing uh you know it, it's not that the artwork is terrible but the character likenesses don't work and that's a problem so yeah, I guess, you know, in terms of story, I would give this thing nine prominent Kira shots. But overall for the comic, when I take the story and the artwork together, you know, I'll probably give it, like you said, a seven, you know, maybe a seven station-sized treasure maps. You know, Chris, and, and I'll, to be fair, um, I would I would do the same as you. I would give this an, a nine nine garricks um just because he's so awesome for story um because i really do think you're right that the story here is, is exceptional uh as comics go i mean we've read some really bad comics avalon rising comes to mind <laughs> we always bring that one up don't we yeah oh goodness um it's like it's ineffable just how bad it is <laughs> But this, I think, really shows what you can do in a comic series. Um, yeah. And if you're a good writer, you can really make us feel like we are watching an episode of the show. And so um, I would, like you, I just highly recommend this comic. Most definitely. Great. Well, this has been fun talking about the comics. And before we go, Matthew, let's tell everyone where to contact us if they would like to share their thoughts on 
these comics on anything we talked about in the news today as well, you can go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send to a show and choose Literary Treks, and that'll come to Matthew and me by email. If you'd like to send us a voicemail, just go to any site on the page. Look along the right-hand side. You'll see a tab there that says Send Voicemail. If you click that, a box will pop up. You can use your webcam's mic to record a message, and you can upload it to us as an MP3 file right there on the spot from that box. If you're on Facebook, you'll find us at facebook.com slash trekfm. And of course, you'll always find us on Twitter where we're tweeting away about Star Trek all the time under username trekfm. Matthew, what if people would like to look you up personally, get your advice, you know, on deep frying food and such? Well, if you'd like to do that, you can find me on Twitter, MattRushing02. I'll let you know my secret recipe for uh, deep frying marshmallows um, and uh, of course if you would uh, like to just know more about me I have my own website which is 42lifeinbetween.wordpress.com and then of course Chris we do a, another show together called The Orb where we talk Deep Space Nine all the time so if you really enjoy Deep Space Nine you enjoy these this comic talk about uh, DS9 we really hope you'll join us there we have a good time talking about just a, a fantastic series uh, of Star Trek. And so, Chris, uh, if uh, somebody would like to find you, especially if you're hanging out at a seedy Adosian bar, where can we find you? Well, that's where I always am, Matthew, when I'm not recording. In fact, you know, I, even, I even bought that mobile mic that I can plug into my iPad so I can podcast right there from the seedy Adosian bar. Yeah, I can hear the Adosian behind you right now. <laughs> Yeah, if you want to find me here on Earth, you can find me on Twitter. My username is C Brian Jones. That's the letter C and Brian with the Y. You can find me pretty much everywhere on social media under that same username. And as Matthew mentioned, you can find me on the Orb every week. You can also find me on the Ready Room, where we talk about all five live-action Star Trek series, as well as Star Trek movies and some other topics. We have a very diverse panel of guests who come on. We're mixing it up all the time. So hop over there and listen to us. And also, if you love Enterprise, you can now find me every week, along with Kate Walsh on our new show, Warp 5, where we talk exclusively about Enterprise. The show has been very successful so far. We had Dave Rossi on the first episode. We had Brandon Braga on the second episode. So go check those out on the site as well. And if you'd like to find me for things not related to Star Trek, you can also find me on my personal website, which is cbrianjones.com. And also, Matthew, before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsors for this week's show. Your support of our sponsors is very important to helping us bring this programming to you every week. First, there's Squarespace, the web's best hosting and CMS. Squarespace really does make it simple for you to create a beautiful blog, website, portfolio, online store, really anything that you could imagine. So I'd love for you to go create your own space today. Try them for free for 14 days, no credit card required. And then when you sign up, use offer code TREK7 to save 10% off your lifetime purchase on your accounts. Also, please go to trekfan.org. Trekfan.org is an amazing chance for you to come together with other fans to do more than just talk about Star Trek. Of course, we all love to talk about Star Trek, but at trekfan.org, you can collaborate with other fans to solve puzzles and complete real-life mission objectives. And you can take your love of Star Trek and turn it into something 
that can help us all move forward towards that Star Trek future in real life. So support us and support TrekFan by going to trekfan.org, solve that first puzzle, and take the next step on your adventure. And lastly, if you would personally like to support the network, we have a way you can do that as well. You can go to trek.fm slash donate. We have eight new alien-themed badges as a thank you for your contribution, and they're perfect for your shirt, your bag, your dress uniform, or, you know, you could even pin one on that treasure map, to, you know, to help so it doesn't blow away as you look for that hidden Cardassian treasure down there on Bajor. These are 44 millimeter badges with original illustration by Tobu Ushi, who does most of the art that you see on our website. And we also have art prints that you can get as well that are just really beautifully done, larger versions of these aliens. And you can get all of this at trek.fm slash donate, and your donations help us cover the costs of production, storage, and bandwidth that's needed to bring this programming to you every week. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. And until next time, live long and read on. You call that light reading? To each his own, number one.